Blog Talk Radio. live broadcast of Spirituality Today. I'm your host, Jamie Sanders, along with my dynamic co-host, Denise Jurgen, coming to you from Pensacola, Florida, and from Nashville, Tennessee. So we welcome you back to be with us for another 90 minutes of inspiration, empowerment, and joy. So on on this first 30 minutes of today's broadcast, Denise and I are going to take the time to discuss about when to speak and when not to speak, which, you know, I always say, talk about using our faculty of wisdom, that sometimes it takes greater wisdom to keep our mouth shut than it does to spout something off. So, Denise, how's things going for you in Nashville today? Well, things are going well. You know, I just finished um, working with two different schools this morning because our ch- our church is actually a pencil partner with one school, and our kiddos in Nashville, Tennessee, have started back to school, believe it or not, even though it seems really early to me and was at, as I said, two different schools this morning helping them get started, and that's always just a positive kind of a thing to watch, especially in the elementary school, parents bringing their children in, and everybody's excited about starting school and bringing all their school supplies in. So I've had a really good day. How about yourself? Yeah, I've been. I was gone all last week. I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, at the Divine Science Federation conference. I was speaking at that event, and just just had a great time being with old friends who I had been active with in the International New Thought Alliance um, Federation organization. That's part of um, New Thought. So I had a great time. Came back inspired about you know new ideas on how to do what I do in ministry, and so it's it's been a good time. But you know, it's always good to come back home and sleep in your own bed. Oh, most definitely. So tell me what you think about when it's time to speak and when it's not time to speak. That's an interesting topic. Well, it really is because, I mean, I can, I don't know about how you feel about it, but I can remember times, and and even now, there's times where I want to say something and my throat constricts and and I'm fearful (laughs) to speak my truth and, you know, and I've, I've thought about it many times, and I go, why would I be afraid to speak my truth? I mean, and I'm not talking about yelling and screaming and turning the tables over. I'm talking about for us to find the courage to calmly say, and I learned this from reading uh, Winona Judd's book that came out a few years ago, and her and her mother were always in an intense therapy for their mother-daughter relationship. And one of the things that their, their life coach, therapist person taught them was to speak up and say, this does not work for me, but mm-hmm. let me tell you what does. And so whenever I'm fearful to speak up, I have to ask myself, what am I fearful of? And it's usually that typical mess of 
you know, someone's going to not like me anymore if I tell them I don't like something or someone's going to um, withhold their love from me because we have a difference of opinion. So, but there, I have found too, as as you grow wiser on your spiritual journey, that there <laughs> is a time to speak and there's a time to zip it. And that, right. you know, one of one of my favorite things, you know, in the last year to talk about is either responding or reacting. And there's mm-hmm. a huge difference, and a lot of people don't get that. So when I hear something that flips my switch, whether in a positive way or a negative way, I have to check myself of am I going to be reacting to what was just said or am I going to be calm and clear and respond? What's your take? You know, actually it's very interesting because I'm, I have two classes that I have here on Wednesday and I just finished one. It's called the Lunch Bunch and it's a lot of people that come in here and bring their lunch and study with us and we're talking, we're reading Karen Armstrong's book called The Twelve Steps to a Compassionate Life and part of what we were reading was about how to give compassionate loving responses instead of some of the habitual responses we might give to people. And we were talking about the difference between the reptilian brain, which is what was a part of the brain system back when the caveman was alive, and it was the system that was so charged in such a way to keep people safe. Because if a you know a wild animal came into the cave, you had to respond out of fear to be able to be okay. But unfortunately, we still have that portion of our brain sometimes that activates, and we react to things from a place of less than love. And so one of the things that Karen Armstrong, who wrote this book, was talking about is that we have to find ways to become habitual or to practice love and forgiveness and kindness and our own personal truth is, you know, you just said a minute ago, how do I speak my truth in a kind way and not shirk from what I believe to be true and not be afraid to say what I believe to be true? Because I I think that we all even us ministers who seem pretty much like we have it all together on, on a good day, you know, I think sometimes there are things that happen in our congregations where we're like, you know, I don't know if I can really say what I need to say in this situation and there's going to be people upset. And it's it's an interesting kind of a conundrum to be in, and I know it happens not only in ministry, but it happens in business, it happens in school settings, of how to be able to speak your truth in a compassionate and loving way, but still speak it and still hold the boundaries of this doesn't work for me or this doesn't work for our organization and here's what I need from you. Does that ring a bell with you at all? Well, yeah, I mean, I think as, you know, I never like to say I'm getting older because I just don't want to give vibes <laughs> to that energy. But as I get wiser, what I mm-hmm. find is I really don't want to fight with people anymore. Right. You know, right. I mean, when you're younger, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to put up with that. And now mm-hmm. it's just like, hmm. You know, we created, um, you know, in, in Youth of Unity, which we call Y-O-U, as you know. Right. They, I, I went to one of their rallies one time, and they had heart agreements. And I was like, What? 
and the kids make their own heart agreements of how they interact and treat each other, and I was so blown away by that. So I came up with some for our ministry, and one of them was, um, we're not here to make other people right or make them wrong, but if we don't agree with something, we simply say, hmm, I never considered that. Right. Rather than, you know, when you have a, a group of people come together that somebody wants to make their, you know, that there's a lot of us that are still addicted. I have to make my point and I have to be yes. right. And I just don't want to play at that. Here's what I believe. This is my take on it. And, you know, everybody has an opinion, even minister to minister. I'm, I'm blown away sometimes at the things that other ministers say in new thought, what we believe and what we don't believe. And I just go, hey, that's up to you. But my thing is about I always want to be open and receptive and teachable. I may not want to, you know, stick a rain stick in my my, my left earlobe and chant to the moon, but that doesn't mean it doesn't <laughs> oh, work. Come on. Do you know what I mean? Come on, just that one time. But you know what I'm saying is people get so angry if you don't think the way they think or see things, mm-hmm. and you just have to go, hmm, let's move on. So I think right. there is a time... And one of the greatest one of the greatest things that I remember was I was on a trip one time, and I, I may have told this. We were on a trip one time, and I was with Dr. Barbara King, who is now Bishop Dr. Barbara King. She's, mm-hmm. And she's she's a very tall individual for the people who know her, but she's very um, she doesn't she grew up in that energy where she was always talked about how tall she was, and it was very painful to be a right. young woman and be that tall. It was, you know, challenging to find a date or a boyfriend. And so we were going on a river cruise in Mobile, Alabama, at um, Bellingraf Gardens. And we walked up to the little shack to pay to get on the boat. And the little girl in the thing kept looking out. She's bending down and sticking her head out the little window, and she says, ma'am, how tall are you? And I froze. <laughs> wow. And my friend Reverend Susan Dalton was standing there, too, and she froze, and Dr. Barber didn't answer she just stood there, had her sunglasses on, and the girl kept saying, ma'am, how tall are you? And Dr. Mm. Barber wouldn't answer. Well, that made me break into a sweat because I'm thinking, lady, please, you're, you, you don't right. know what storm you're invoking. <laughs> and she, she finally said to the young girl, she said, how much? And the girl told her how much it was. She handed her the money, got her change, and we walked away in silence. We got a little ways down, and she turned to both of us, and she said, I want you to remember something. In the silence, people will hear their ignorance. And that was so profound to me because she could have said, how rude of you, how dare you. She Mm -hmm. said nothing. And Mm -hmm. it it really is true, you know what I mean, that sometimes there's there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. One of the things I learned from one of my friends here in Pensacola was when someone says something that's, um, a sucker punch, you know what I mean? They'll say something with a smile, Uh you know they do in the South. He will just Mm -hmm. look at them and he'll go, wow, wow. Yep. (laughs) And that's all that the person, the other person knows Mm -hmm. they just did, you know, I'm on to you. So I think sometimes if we could learn to use that faculty of just, I have nothing to respond to that or to turn and just simply walk away without yelling and screaming, the other person Mm -hmm. knows I have crossed a line. Right. Well, you know, that happened for me one time in a meeting of some of our church leaders, and there was a particular person that is no longer a leader now, yay, Rotuti, but that used to get very combative in some of those meetings. And so, you know, everybody would generally sometimes look to me to do something about it. 
And so this particular Sunday afternoon, we were sitting there, and this woman kept getting combative, and I just picked up all my stuff and my purse, and I said, you know, I'm going home, and I'm going to have a glass of wine because this type of conversation doesn't work for me. And I left. And, you know, people are like, weren't you scared? Weren't you scared they might, you know, vote you out or whatever or vote you off the island? (laughs) (laughs) The island. No, I was not. And, you know, what I will tell you is that everybody else said thank you to me eventually through some sort of a, you know, it was like nobody had the courage to say this type of behavior doesn't work. You know, sometimes, and I, I I can't say that that doesn't happen in other businesses because I've worked in other realms, but sometimes in Unity Churches specifically, we think we have to be nice, and we let one bad apple spoil the whole bunch, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And it's like sometimes we have to either say something or do something that is, outside the realm of what we usually do to get it to stop. Does that make sense? You know, it does, because um, several years ago, Reverend Carla, who's going to be on with us shortly, Coach Carla was here at our church in Pensacola, and she was doing a workshop in our basement. And we had had a good crowd. We had some other churches come to the workshop in the area. And right in the middle of the workshop, a gentleman walks in um, into the fellowship area, and he, he interrupted her workshop and he was asking for money which was you know it just is so uncomfortable and before i could even get out of my seat carla said excuse me and i i turned and looked at her and she said you must leave and you know my heart starts pounding and, and he looked at her and he says but i and she says no you have you have interrupted a workshop these people are here they're engaging in something and you must leave and wow. he didn't know what to do. He turned around and he left, and I was like, oh, my God, I would love to do that. And I'm, I, my fear is the minister, I'm thinking people are going, well, that wasn't very loving. No, you, there, mm-hmm. There's a thing about healthy boundaries, yes. and you know when you're being bamboozled and manipulated, mm-hmm. and for you to walk into a room when there's a presentation going on and do that, you're the one who's out of alignment with, with principle and decorum or whatever we want to call it but i was like mm-hmm. wow she and i told her later i said i just admire you for that and she was the same way she goes you know those people were giving a love offering to attend this thing they came because it meant something and he immediately it threw the energy and as a leader you have to say that is not acceptable right you know right but i love the idea that you got your stuff and walked out i was um at a thing this you know last week and one mm-hmm. of the speakers was speaking, and you could feel there was a chip on their shoulder. Uh-huh. Um, they came in with an agenda, and their whole message was to bully and beat up on some people. Ooh. And at one point, he raised his voice, and the you know the sound mm-hmm. system was was loud, but it, I felt it in my physical body. And mm-hmm. if I had not been in a, a row of, of a pew. I wanted to get up and walk out because of the energy. <laughs> and I you would have thought, had to say, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, you know, jump over the pews like I was at a right. Pentecostal church. So I think part of the thing is is getting that there's a time and a place for all of it, when to speak, and so I just breathe through it. But, you know, to check ourselves about how we're going to do what we're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Well, so. to me, it has to do with I, I am a very what I consider a kinesthetic person, and I start feeling it in my body. You were saying you yeah. felt it in the room. You feel it in your body. And when I start being physically uncomfortable, I know that I've either got to say something or move my presence into a different place because, you know, I can't get through that without slipping a cog. You know, I have been in meetings before in places where, you know, I've said to people I literally had to just hold on to my seat to not just jump up and go off on somebody, you know. And I knew that that wasn't the moment nor the time, but I felt it. Have you ever been in a place like that where you just feel it rising up in you and you think, I just have got to do something here? But I knew that that particular arena was not the time, and so I had to say something to somebody at a later time because it was not necessarily something that everybody that was sitting there needed to hear. And that has happened to me uh, before, too. It has me too, and usually I always tell people that I, if I'm serving um, with a board or an organization, I always say the code, the code is I, I, I fantasize about you know raising my voice. I've just never been that kind of person, but right. I would say to them, and, and I get it spiritually, you know, but I would say, now you've made me angry, mm-hmm. very calmly. Mm-hmm. Now you've made me angry, and um, you know when I first, it wasn't. I've been here a couple of years, and. Uh, I came back from a trip. I was exhausted. It was when we were in school together, and I was just exhausted from that intensive. And we were having a, a board meeting, and the board president kept interrupting me. I'm speaking, and she'd talk right over me, which is a huge pet peeve of mine from childhood. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so my administrator was sitting next to me, and she tapped me on the shoulder, like, you know, there, there. She knew. She felt the storm coming. And um, she just kept doing it. And finally I said, do you mind if I finish a statement before you speak over me, I know you think I'm 12 years old, but I'm not. <laughs> and that was such a, I mean, it was like the biggest relief to even get that out, and everybody just stopped and looked because that's not how I would show up. But uh, she was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Five minutes later, she did it again. One of the other board members goes, please stop interrupting him. <laughs> You know what I mean? But it, it, there's a thing, it's like yeah. a, a pressure cooker, and you let that thing off and say, please do not be disrespectful. I am the I am the minister. I know you think I'm 12 years old because I look it half the time. Right, right. That's an affirmation. And, um, Yay! So that, you know what I mean? But I, I just, I don't want to be disrespected. I try not to disrespect people, but I mm-hmm. tell you what, you, you know, everybody has a crazy switch. Talk to me like my father used to talk to me, who was a military person, and I always say one or two things is going to happen. I'm either going to um, react to you right. or I'm going to respond, well, three things, or I'm not going to say anything at all, and you better thank sweet Jesus I didn't say anything. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? But then we have to deal with that, too. You know, I find that I'm probably my worst critic for myself. And so if I leave a situation and I haven't done really what I think I should have done, which was either not say anything then or and I did say something or I needed to say something that I didn't say, then I have a tendency to go home and go, dear God, there I did it again. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I should have. And poor Judy, she has to hear it all the time. But, you know, I just had a situation recently that I can – 
talk about a little bit because I had one of our people in leadership. We have an executive board, but then we also have what we call a leadership council. And each of those leaders runs a ministry. And one of the leaders that was running one of the ministries, it was very obvious to the ministry and to me that the person was not really being a leader. But it was not yet obvious to the leader. Have you ever had that problem? <laughs> Like, hello, I don't know what what it is about this that you don't get, but you're not really being a leader. And so eventually I had tried to hint in many different ways because the other issue that happens sometimes in churches, I know it happens in other places, is this person is sort of kind of my friend too. You know what I mean? Which is an issue for ministers. And so it was like, okay, is there not someone else, dear God, that can talk to her about this? Well, no, it's going to have to need to be me. So, you know, I let it go and let it go and let it go and let it go until it got to be a bigger, bigger issue than it needed to have been. And the ministry itself was beginning to fall apart. And so finally, I had a meeting with the ministry people and said, here's what I'm going to do. And so I had a a meeting of sorts at Panera Bread you know, and talk to this person. And quite interestingly, as I kept saying, here is what we as a congregation need from you. This is how we need you to show up. You actually need to come to meetings, hint, hint. You actually, (laughs) you know, need to give your reports to the executive board. You actually need to prepare for blotty, blotty, blotty. You know, she eventually looked at me and she said, I'm not doing a very good job, am I? And I said, no, (laughs) no, you're not. And she said, you know, I probably don't need to be a leader. I said, "Mm, no, you don't, you know. And I thought, you know, I wonder if I could have done this earlier, you know. But those types of situations are probably the hardest for me of when it's time to speak and when it's not time to speak because, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes congregants, leaders cross the line into friends with ministers, and then you got that whole issue. I don't know if well, that ever I mean, happens with I, you. It does, and part of the thing, which is, you know, we talk sometimes about what are, you know, we all have issues. I always say, you know, if you're mm-hmm. still here in the body, you still got stuff to do. But, you know, people not honoring their agreements, that, that just right. sends me into the stratosphere, especially when you right. are the leader and people act like it's so not a big deal not to show up right. and do what you said you were going to do. And so, you know, for years I, w- I drove back and forth and would drive to Atlanta time and time again to go to church at, at Dr. Barbara King's church in Atlanta, and I would take notes, you know, and this was before I was even ordained. I just knew I was taking notes for something. But right. she would say if somebody didn't show up to usher or teach Sunday school one time, and the second time, we no longer require your services. Thank you. And, wow. and it's about the yeah. excellence. But the thing is, for us, is that people don't get, why would we be uncomfortable to say, it doesn't feel to me that you are giving your highest and best? Is there an issue that we could discuss, or are you wanting to step down? And, yeah. and people act like they're offended. But that's why I say I did a video, I guess a week ago or so, on that gratitude. And I said, you know what? What gets me is when you have to call someone out for not doing what they agreed to do, and they get angry at you. <laughs> I know. And I Isn't said, that that's an interesting crazy. thing? 
you're mad at me because I caught you cheating on me. I mean, hello, mm-hmm. or you didn't mm-hmm. show up to, you know, be my platform assistant with no text, or and now you're mad at me. And and I just like, isn't that amazing for us to look at ourselves and go, why would I be afraid to have to say to you, you let me down, and I'm very disappointed right. in you. Right. And so right. it's it's about moving through that kind of energy, and and the same thing as we. We find out when to speak, when not to speak, and, and are, are we responding to something or are we reacting? And when, when I say reacting, for me, reacting is the crazy, that I start yes. yelling and screaming at you, which is only going to dig a deeper grave for all of us. And so it's when I can take a deep breath and go, uh, I, someone asked me the other day, well, how do you do it? And I say, here's what I try to do. If I hear something come out of someone, whether they call me darling or angel before they say it, if it mm-hmm. hits me below the belt, I have to check myself, and I'll say to the person, now, okay, can we go back to what you just said? Right. I, you know, I don't have to go, you low down. Can we go back to what you just said? Because I, I have to have some clarity because I'm not sure what you meant or where you were coming from. And usually the person looks dumbfounded that you even said it. Right. You know what I mean? But I, it usually will shift the energy. Either they will keep going and come at you with more, mm-hmm. or they back off very quickly. And so I go, it's about setting that those boundaries, that healthy space of, you may do that to your friends, you may do that to your coworkers, but that ball don't roll here. Right. Because, you know, I hold myself, I, I know you do too, because I know you re- really well, I hold myself to a higher standard than... I hold anybody else, you know, and it's like I know that I can do better than I did yesterday, you know, and that is, that's always been my kind of a yardstick. It's like, okay, I don't want to sit because when I was thinking about that leader that I didn't talk to, I know what right. happened to me is every time I would see her coming into church, I would think, oh, dear God, there she is. Well, I don't want to have that thought about somebody. Oh, dear God, there she is. (laughs) You know, I need to speak to them at that point in time and deal with the issue when it's up than to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and not speak about it. And then all of a sudden I've got months of, oh, dear God, there she is, all built up inside me. Does that make sense to you? Well, that's what I mean about the crazy part. You yes. didn't do anything. Why? And I've been there where I see somebody and go, oh, God, yes. I don't feel like doing this today. I didn't do anything <laughs> yes. to you. But I, right. I'm, I'm dreading the, what is it, the um, people call it a confrontation. I don't even yes. think it has to be a confrontation. It's like, hey, we have an issue here. Could we, mm-hmm. could we set up a time to sit down and talk? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those people that either I don't, I don't want to have a conversation with you, I'll just bless you and release you. Right. Or if I care enough about the person, I will say, is there something going on? Can we talk about it? Which is one of the things, you know, when I go to uh, Kansas City and I stay with Carla, I stay, you know, in Carla's home. And Carla and I have the best time together. But we, I really believe that we are so authentic with each other. Do you know what I mean? That we say, you know, right. are you upset or are you sad? Are you? And we, and we mm-hmm. talk about it. And I think that's one of the things you don't. You, if we try to read each other's minds, we can make up stories that aren't true. Right. So it is about learning when to speak, when not to speak, and to give the person the space. You know, I had a friend one time that told me, "You make people uncomfortable because you demand clarity in your relationships." Like that's a bad thing. But said some people, <laughs> some people pee on themselves. They're like, "What? What?" 
you want to you want to know if I'm mad at you? And, and they run, and, and they go, not everybody is ready to do that at the level that you do it, and you have to understand right. that. And I still struggle with that. I'm mean, like, if I say to you, Denise, you mad at me? And you go, no. Right. But you're right. not talking to me anymore. You're not texting me anymore. Yes. Um, right. Denise, are you mad at me? Nope. Right. Okay. Right. I don't, you know. Or when you oh, well. see me, you run the other way. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. <laughs> Obviously, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Something's up. So, you know, in this in this next hour, we're about to bring on Coach Carla with us to be with us for the, the full hour of the rest of this broadcast. And, and the topic that she's going to lead us in, and she's going to have some tips for us, is about how and when to ask for help, which I, I don't know about you, Denise, but I'm one of those people, and I've shared this with Carla before. There is something, and I, you know, when I really take it out and look at it when I'm by myself, there is something about asking. I have an issue sometimes asking for people to help me, whether it's, you know, when I moved from one house to the other, I, I hired a U-Haul and I hired our youth department, and, and people in the church said, why didn't you ask? Because I I don't want to ask anybody to help me. What if they say no? Right. And then it makes right. us uncomfortable. So even in, you know, not everybody who listens to this program is in ministry or active, even in a church, but we know that, you know, asking someone else for assistance or asking someone, you know, as a minister, it's amazing to me how many people never stop to say, and I don't know if you've experienced this, and, I, and I'm sure Carla probably has, but for people to go, hey, are you okay? Is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you seem a little you seem a little down today, or you seem a little sad today. Are you okay? And and so that's one of those things about I am not one to say. Will you will you give me a hug? Will you help me move? Right. I do not like to ask. And when I met with um, Reverend Becky Whitehead's board, I was her mentor through the field licensing. And in mm-hmm. our last meeting, I said to the board, I said, let me let me give you a word of advice. If you see her shift in energy passion mm-hmm. and personality you better get to the bottom of it because if she's sad and miserable it's going to spill over into everything you do always check to make sure that right. she's okay and and so right. i think that's the thing about asking for help and so i think in this next hour you know as carla comes on the tips that she's going to give us because i'd like to hear from her when we bring her on in just a second is about what is I mean going a little deeper, what do we think that's about when we're we're uncomfortable to ask someone to assist us, to help us, to be a support to us? So uh Carla, I see that you are on the air and we just want to say good to have you on for a whole hour. Yeah. Yay. I'm psyched. We're psyched too. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and I think the topic that that you're you're talking about really does lend itself to this okay when do i recognize that i do need support yes i agree totally i agree totally and you know i can't speak for anybody but myself but i know sometimes i have said this before that ministry is kind of a lonesome place sometimes Mm -hmm. and you feel like who do i reach out to for support does that make sense right it certainly does and um that's why i appreciate and i honor our relationship jamie and mine and yours and mine denise in that we can go deep and know we're safe and we're loved just as we are just where we are and sometimes we just need a best buddy to to um to 
help us think of a different strategy. You know, sometimes we just can't figure out for ourselves a different way of doing something because we're so stuck in a certain neural pathway in our brain. Yes. Mm. Uh, Yes. So when when you, I was listening in to the first part of the the show, and and one of the things that – that we all have to recognize and own is that our mind is a very dangerous place. Do not go in there alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <sighs> you know, <laughs> grab a friend <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we just automatically think thoughts over and over and over again that that are just not true, but we believe them. Um, so, so that's why uh, you know we to recognize when it's time becomes so critical. You know, Jamie, you were talking about going crazy. Well, all of us have that crazy in us, um, mm-hmm. and and it lives in the chatter of the mind. <laughs> what we don't want is we don't want to find ourselves up on a ledge, getting ready to jump, or you know. Looking right. for a new job, mm-hmm. or headed for divorce court before we recognize, hey, I could use some support. So, Jamie, what do you think it is? You know, you were talking about how that it's difficult for you to ask for support or for help. Um, um, do you think that it's more difficult for a man than a woman? Do you think that plays you know, in? Well, I, I don't know. I think from, you know, when I look back, that's what I say, when I can get quiet and sit and reflect on it without feeling like I have to, you know what I mean, do it in front of a, a panel of people. But you, you realize that from, you know, it has to do with our, our dynamics probably from childhood. I was the baby of the family, and I was pretty much always a loner. They were older than I was, you know, and there was, I've shared before, they were always in trouble with something. And so, you know, St. Jamie here was such a good boy that I got shoved into a corner and patted on the head. So I learned that I had to be self-sufficient. I had to depend on myself. And then what was really interesting was years later when I was being ordained at um, Dr. Barbara's church, she was anointing us with oil. And as she did, I was very sad that nobody came to my ordination. And mm. my family didn't come, and um, I was feeling sorry for myself. And when she anointed my head, I heard the voice say, you will think that the majority of your life, the most important things you had to do alone, but you were never alone. Mm. And so I thought, what an interesting thing, because when I look back, you know what I mean, I still feel... Um, there's very few people that I would go cry with. Do you know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. I, I'm called to be the strong one. And so sometimes even in front of my congregation, if I begin to cry, I will hold my finger up, you know, like, wait a minute. And they all look, their eyes get big because they know I'm about to lose it. And I go, I love to create that energy for other people, to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to feel something. But there's very few people that I would share that with out of, I'm feeling that I was, and I know better than this. I would tell another person who was telling me this, how crazy it is, but that you were feeling weak and that 
you let somebody down because you showed that. And I love when I see someone who comes across that way, I love to see someone get um, vulnerable and real and authentic. Yeah. So it's something that I'm peeling back the layers on. Well, you know, the, um, you're probably too young being such a baby, Jamie, but, but Denise, you might remember. <laughs> yes, I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the Beatles song, Help? I need somebody. Yes, Help. I do. I love Not that song. Not just anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that always stuck with me. I loved I loved the song. It's okay. And I know, Jamie, you don't like the word need, and I understand completely where you're coming from on that word. But we right. all are here in this experience we're calling life to need one another. You know, it's, we add flavor to the soup we're making. Um, it's sometimes hard to swallow some of the flavors, but but we all we're wired at a deep level to want to make a contribution to one another, aren't we? Most definitely. You know, um, I'm glad you brought that song up because that that's going to be running in my brain, and I like that song. You know, I have made a lot of changes um, over the years as a minister, and. I was thinking in preparation for being on the show with you how several years ago I left ministry because uh, I wouldn't ask for help. Mm, but I didn't mm, know who to ask, yeah, if that makes yeah. any sense. It and really what I came to understand after going to my own coach and working through some stuff, some deep stuff, is that I didn't have a place that I felt really safe to ask. Mm. And so that was another piece that I had to really look at. What is it about? Because I I know it it was about trust, and had I created relationships with people that I felt like I could trust enough to say, you know, I'm burned out here, I've got some board members who are acting like, booty holes, excuse me, and I don't know what to do. And, you know, it it was a very interesting time. And fast forward to today, which is several, seven, eight years later, you know, just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I sat with our leadership because we're doing leadership circles with a coach in our church once a month. Good for you. And we just talk about the relationships in you know it's the relationships between each other and communication and those types of things and i could actually sat there and i i was so excited for myself because i you know it's nice when we see that we've grown a little bit yes isn't it all yeah, of us like that i sat and talked with them about an, an experience that I had had with my dad when I went on a vacation this summer with my parents and my boys and their wives and walking on the beach with my dad, who is in the beginning stage of Alzheimer's. Mm. And I broke down and cried in front of my leadership, and it was okay. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I went, oh, wow. You know, yeah. Yeah. something has shifted in me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know um uh that it is so common 
a common thought that somehow we'll be perceived as weak if we're a leader and ask for help. Right. And and um, Pew Research did a study in January 2016 just on this subject. And even though the leaders had thoughts like, I'll appear, you know, weak or I'll appear needy and um, everyone's too busy, I should have this figured out or I'll appear stupid is another one that comes up for for people in that chatter of the brain um, that we all have. But what the research showed was that leaders who asked for help were happier and more successful. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because they're doing it together rather than ever bearing the burden of everybody on their shoulders. And right. that how they were perceived by the people they asked for help from were they were perceived as strong, more resilient, and um, uh, more generous because we love to give our, our particular gift. You know, um, it's hard sometimes when we're we're in leadership in a church to not feel like all the eyes in the church are on us. Don't you think, yes. Jamie? I do. I, I think that that's part of it as well is that, you know, I always say, I, I just, when I spoke last week, I said that, you know, the title of my message was being who we say we are and that people are always, when you're in a position of leadership, whether it's, you know what I mean, in your Sunday school or a Cub Scout group or whatever, all eyes are watching how you do what you do in the way that you show up. And so I think sometimes um, it's important, you know, I was, I was sharing with Denise that um, I went to the UMAS, which is a sub-region of the southeast region of Unity Churches, um, in the in North Carolina Beaches area. I'd never been there. I always go to the Smokies. And I, I sat in with these ministers, and they've, they've welcomed, you know, me into the fold. And I had never been in a group of, of ministers who shared so openly. They laughed, they cried, and they mm. told things. <clears throat> and there was this, there was a sacredness in the room, and that there was no judgments. There was no, you know what you should do. And it, it was so empowering to me. Um, that I went, that's what I want in my circle. Don't don't judge me. You know, like you say, you may have 3,000 people in your congregation, or you may have 30. Don't judge the, another person by how they're doing what they do, but be a support. How can I support you? And, and I really right. like that you brought up the word support because, you know, even um, I, I think that, and I want us to talk about it, each one of us to talk about what is our idea of when we say, um, I require some support. What do we mean by that? Um, even when we say I, I require some help, you know, help me, I'm drowning, whether it's the end of a relationship or we feel that our job is not um, planning to unfold the way we thought it might. <laughs> what, so um, let's talk about what we mean by, for people who are listening, uh, I, I want some help here. And, and what would help be compared to support and there was another word, um, what was it we were using? Help, support, I don't remember. So let's hear what you guys think about that idea. Carl, well, how do you think about it? Um, um, you know, and, and we're all sort of coming from the the perspective of ministers, but this is 
this is we're all spiritual beings in a spiritual universe guided by spiritual laws having a human experience. So we're both and. And my my theory that I'm playing with this lifetime is that uh, it's our humanity that scares us, not our divinity. You know? Right. Yeah. It's that shadow work that is so important to do and so difficult. In fact, I might even say impossible to do alone. You know, it's right. that... that the mind is a scary place. Don't enter alone. You know, take a cousin <laughs> friend with you. Um, so, so support looks like, um, uh, and I'll, I'll use this to me. Like when you're in a church, a, a leader of a church, and everybody around you seems upset. Well, there's one person that is common in every relationship, and that'd be you. So right. so who who will have your back? 100% have your back. No matter what your monkey mind is saying because they know who you truly are. And to me, that is the the gift of the work we do as spiritual leaders and as visionary people in the world. Um is to say to people, "Okay, right here right now, I want you to know that um, I I need to take a time out and get some support for this. It, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. It's it's the energy of chaos is how creation begins, right? Right. And and so chaos is always a little scary. Mm-hmm. You know. Because we think all I have to do is have a strategy and then go out and take action from my strategy and everything will be okay. Not so much. I don't know about you guys, but I haven't found it like that. No, no. What and about you, Jamie? Is, yeah. Well, I think that it's, um, again, it's all you know, always about doing our, our own inner work and you know, asking ourselves questions. I think sometimes and this is um, for myself that I, I monitor this, is that to where we get to the point that we think we know so much. Yes. And yet if we still have challenges going on, because like, you you know, I've I've used that line before. I mean, I had a, a gentleman that was here one time in, in, in a workshop with Tony Bain, and he was from another church, and he came, and he was just really, you know, he was, what is it? He was taking over the whole workshop with his drama and his stories. And he kept saying, I left this church, and then I went to that church, and I left this church. And he kept going, and finally Tony says to him, hey, what's the common denominator here? Mm -hmm. Like what you were just saying. And he goes, what do you mean? And she goes, you. So you'll you'll find you at the next church and the next church and the next church. And she said, so I invite you to sit down and be quiet and listen and learn. You know what I mean? And so it is about us looking and going, Huh. What am I bringing to the table? What am I bringing to this situation? And why am I, you know, I always say when people get upset, if you look around, uh, the other 30 people in the room aren't upset, it's you. What is that about? Mm-hmm. You know, and so checking right. ourselves. So we know that the the brain, the, the uh, automatically, there, there's that part of the brain that's tipped to the negative. You know, that um, am I safe? Is there something missing here, you know, that um, uh, 
do I have to run soon? You know, danger, danger, what's going on? And we're living in a world right now, my, my fellow friends that are listening to this show, we're living in a world that is constantly pounding us with negative information, constantly. You know, it's violent talk, violent politics, violent actions all over the place. Um, But the reason they're in the world is not to prove how the world's out to get us, but to wake us up to what is within us that that we are to bring forth so that we learn how to partner with one another, to co-create, to um, to collaborate. Because by ourselves, we might come up with the most brilliant idea in the world, but if we didn't listen to trusted advisors around that room, we might have missed an even more brilliant idea. You know what I'm most, saying? Most definitely. You know, when I think about support for me, it's uh, what Jamie was talking about with the UMAS group. It's sometimes people that will just sit and let me process or listen to what's going on inside of me because I have not been able to sit down and really verbalize it mm-hmm. or pull it out of me. It's just been thoughts that have just been beating and banging around inside of me and causing emotion, emotional stuff. But it's many times once I verbalize it and get it out of me, it's not quite as big and bad and scary as I thought it was while it was still inside of me beating and banging around. Does that make sense? It does. And and the, the key to this, I think, is something that you said earlier. Um, and jump in here, Jamie, if you agree. It's, you know, you said how much fun it is to see we've done some growing. Yes. Um, so there's a point at which the story gets boring. Quit right. telling it. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Yes. Thank because God. <laughs> yeah, you you look, you know, that's the other thing. If you're looking around the room and everybody's eyes are glazed over <laughs> <laughs> and they're nudging each other going, "Wow, oh, let's get out of here." Um, chances are, you know, you need to de- to decompose that story and create a more interesting one because that we that's the brilliance of the mind. We can always make up a different story. So Let's make up a good one. But we need hands to hold on to when we're standing at the edge of our knowing. Don't you find, Jamie? That's awesome. I do. And what I, what I was just thinking about because of all three of our personalities here is that, I mean, you know, the asking for support. Because sometimes what I will do, I will say to someone that I, and I've done it, I've done it with both of you before. I mean, whether at a conference or I would walk up and say at, listen to me, am I being crazy, but here's what I'm feeling about such and such, mm-hmm. is to ask mm-hmm. for feedback, am I being crazy because this has made me uncomfortable or upset me in some way, and I do it with my administrator all the time, I would say to her, uh, all right, am I am I over the top here, and, you know, she will tell me the truth, well, no, or you're tired, or, but I think it's, that's asking for support, too, for someone to go, am I being a jerk? Yes, absolutely. Have I crossed a line with my behavior because I'm angry? And I know for myself, when I step into the anger pool, I can't be principally centered. Right. No, 
No, it's impossible. It's 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 impossible to come from principle when you're angry, when you're exhausted, when you're hungry. Right. And when you're tired, or hung you over. cannot find principle <laughs> in those times or I wouldn't know anything about that, Jamie. <laughs> I know not of what you speak. <laughs> so, you know, the question that's in my mind now is what is the line between needing support and needing help? Because that I think sounds different the, to me on some yeah. level. Um, so it the difference lies in the perception of the person being asked. Okay. And what I what I mean by that is that if you're asking for help, you're not saying fix me. You're not mm-hmm. saying change me. You're not saying um try and control me. What you're saying is I just need a safe place to, you know, I I shared this with both of you before, is to cough up my fur balls, you know? Right, yes. <laughs> just uh-huh. need yes. coffage to, uh-huh. to get it out. I just need to be heard and seen and not judged or fixed by what I'm sharing. This is just part of me that I'm getting out. I know it's not the the real me. I know it's not the truth of who I am. It's just a persona I'm using right now that feels familiar and I am kind of feel trapped in it. You know, right. so there's where the support comes in. The person asking might be asking for help. I need somebody. But but what they're really asking for is for the person to view them as they're supporting them being the best them they can be. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to let either one of you um, play crazy too long, you know. Right, <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I need you, we we support each other in being about transformation on this planet. We have the principles and the tools that that people really need to to hear, to have and to practice. So I'm I'm really about that practice of and it serves me and the world no good if I'm looking for what's your issue. You know, right. I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be figuring out my issue. Did th- did that make sense? I went on a long time. I know. No, it did make sense, and I I think part of the thing too is not only um you know a, a lot of times we'll say to people, and I don't know that we always mean it, but we'll say you know I'm there for you, I'm here for you, and. We also have to consider what that looks like. Be how do we how do we give support? It's one thing for someone to ask for it, but it's also about us saying someone just came to me and asked for support. Do I blow it off? Um, do I mean it when I say I'm here for you? And and then to be have clarity around because I know um, both of you doing the coaching. I mean I think you both have to talk to your clients about um, how real do you want me to be with you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Most right. Definitely. Yeah. Because, and, and that's why I chose coaching over ministry. Um, because I saw them as two different things. I see the role of being life coach, Carla, to to being 
um, a catalyst for your growth, for your personal transformation, and for the action that will make your life more meaningful and more vibrant. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm your accountability coach. You say you want to live this dream. Okay, game on. Let's play it full out. You know, so are things going to come up? And, I, you know, I'm going to remind you of who you are and what your intentions are and what that dream is that, that you say you're longing for in order for life to be more meaningful. It's It's the action that is required in physical reality that a lot of new thought people don't get. Most it's definitely. Not, it's not, um, I'll pray for you. That's wonderful. That's fabulous. <laughs> that you know what I the, say a lot of times? We just say love and light. Okay, <laughs> well, what does that really mean? <laughs> right. It doesn't mean anything in physical reality. And I no. and I hope our listeners understand what I mean when I'm saying that. Prayer always is a great idea. Prayer mm-hmm. always works. There's no wrong way to pray. However, prayer is to change us, not the right. situation. Right. So if I come to you... Um, Denise, and I say, here's what I'm up against. I've got this big project, and um, here's the outcome I'm looking to have in this project, but I keep hitting the wall at this stage. Hey, do you have any ideas for me? Mm -hmm. Now, I know you're going to focus on the outcome I want to have. Right, right. My behavior doesn't define me. Right. It's just a symptom of how big the vision is that we want to accomplish. Sure. It's not ego-driven always. Right. Most definitely. So 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 let's talk about what we mean by. Let's talk about what we mean by our, I think the words were, our actions don't define us. So let's have a little bit more clarity around that for people that are listening um, and, and explain a little bit more in depth what we mean by that statement. Okay, I think that's a good idea. So I have this plaque on my wall. I'm 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 in the sixth floor of the tower at Unity Village as we're speaking today, and and it's so much fun because I've got all my my juicy stuff around me and my mm-hmm. crystal bowl and my brass bowl and all my good good accoutrements and Yay. this. This um, this saying I read every single day. Sometimes we just make wrong choices. Mm. And what's great about being human is that we can choose again to do it better the next time. And then right underneath that it says, or the time after that. Wow. So it's th- so it's the energy that we put into the action we're doing. If we're clear, you keep saying clarity, Jamie, and I think that is spot on. If we're clear about what we are asking for, if we're clear about 
the action we're taking, then we sort of can erase um, the ways we do it messy because we don't come into life as masters, even though there are people who think they do. (laughs) (laughs) That's special, yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. If we came in and, you know, we were enlightened and, and just went from grace to grace to grace, That'd be pretty boring, wouldn't it? Most definitely it would. <laughs> so it's the obstacles that keep us awake and learning. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a game juicy. Mm-hmm. And Some of it, the, the, the word that's coming up for me is practice. Yeah. Because I know that in any kind of spiritual growth in my world, in my life, as I'm shifting my energy or whatever I want to call it, some things, if I'm going to respond differently, I have to practice that. And some days it is easier than others, just like going to the gym and doing reps some days is easier than others. So Right. And, and really, the, um, what you're talking about, like going to the gym, is a task that right. you're doing because you've got this vision of being physically fit and healthy. Right, right. So, Jamie, I want to go back to the question you were you asked us to be clearer about because I forgot what it was. Our actions don't <laughs> define us, I believe, something like oh, that. Oh, right. good for you. Okay. So, so do you go along with that? I mean, our... We don't accept, we don't have to accept each other's behavior. Right. But we don't have to let the actions define who they are. It's, it's our role with one another to deeply listen and pay attention to that spirit within each person. Some people are so unskilled, they actually can seem to be toxic but really it's as the course in miracles say it's a call to love yeah i think it's like when we in church you know we when my first unity church that i attended we always sang that song that louise hay wrote about i love myself the way i am there's nothing i i need to change and i and so i always remind people it's a beautiful song to sing and it's talking about uh, the essence of who we are, mm. but that is mm-hmm. not an excuse for you not to do your work or to clean up your messes <laughs> and just say, well, I'm perfect and whole. Well, you're also an asshole yeah. and you have work to do. And so I, that's what I meant about we're not defined yeah. by our actions, but we do have to be accountable for the way we show up. We are up. accountable. And yeah. you can always, like you said, I loved it when you said, and you can you can do it differently tomorrow. You know, you don't have to stay stuck. Well, I, you know, I slept with 19 people last week. And they didn't go, well, this week I'm only going to sleep with one. <laughs> no, I wish. Please, are you kidding me? <laughs> but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Is about, We've slipped into a different story. <laughs> Watch the numbers go up. <clears throat> and so that's what I'm saying is about juicy. We said juicy. Is about yeah, being yeah. accountable. And so if you're going to – if that's what I always say, too. If 15 people say that you're a jerk and three love you, there's something for us to really examine. If three people say you're a jerk and 15 people love you, it's probably their issues. But it's mm-hmm. always about us looking at self, the same thing as in the beginning of the show, 
<clears throat> excuse me, why would I be uncomfortable to ask someone to assist me? And what it really comes down to, and I don't know about the listeners, it's the fear of rejection. When I was going out to clubs when I was younger, I tell both of you, I never sent anybody a drink because what if they sent it back? So I waited. <laughs> I got drinks sent to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I, the fear of rejection, which is still part of the human thing. And so you go, what if I ask someone, will you help me? Will you help me move a, a piece of furniture? And the person, I've done that before. I said, will you help me come move a piece of furniture? I can't do it by myself. I live in a three-story house. And the person said yes, and three weeks later, the furniture is not moved. So right. I, I felt rejected. So the next time I just go, I'll call someone and pay them. And mm-hmm. so I think we build these crazy little um, niches in our brain that says, you know, yeah. uh, what if I ask and I don't get it? Well, one of the five points of power that uh, Tali Burkan and Edween teaches is about I always ask for what I want when I want it. And I remind my congregation, doesn't mean you're going to get it. But right. it means that you but have ask. the courage to ask, right? Yes, it takes it takes um, it takes courage and a willingness to be vulnerable. You know, and for me, um, uh, I don't want to live uh, a mediocre life. I do not want to be boring, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I want when I'm gone for people to say, you know, that Carla, she was courageous, she was compassionate, and she was a good time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, yes. We had fun and laughed and we <clears throat> cried. You know, that to me is a well-lived life. That's my idea of a well-lived life. It doesn't have to be everybody's idea, but I know for me that if I'm not being courageous, that I'm not being authentic because that's my intention is to be courageous. Just because somebody says it's not possible, oh, bet me, I'll show you how possible it is. You know? <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right, so here's, here's my question. So, Denise, um, just without really having to think long and hard, do you find it easy um, or comfortable, let's say, to ask for support and help? Um, I find it more comfortable than it was several years ago. But um, I, I made myself some notes because the things that I have to do when I feel like I'm needing some assistance of some sort – whether it might be support or it might be help, is the first thing I have to do is accept that I need that help. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to fight this because my mother will even tell you that when I was two and a half, one of the first big things that came out of my mouth is do it myself. Yep. And you can imagine, and that's been one of my mottos all my life, is I'm going to uh-huh. do it myself. You know, I don't need you. I will do this myself. And I was an only child, and growing up, you know, a lot of people think that's a lovely little way to grow up because you're the only child there and everything. everybody dotes on you, but you're also comparing yourself to two adults all the time. And so, Absolutely. You know, it was like I've got to do this myself, by myself, without anybody helping so for me, I have to accept, okay, here I am at this place, and I really need to ask for some help. But then I have to figure out what is the help that I need, if I have any idea. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. So that I can know yeah. who to ask. Right. You know, if if I'm I have this thing in my office and it's a little better now. It's like part of the air conditioning system and when the air conditioning system came on it sounded like we were a rocket ship ready to take off <laughs> and you know I needed some help I knew I could not deal with that myself because I don't even know what to do but it was like I needed some help to try to build a little wall or something around that so I knew what help I needed and I know don't just ask anybody because they're going to Look at me like I'm crazy. You want me to do well, what? Well, you, you don't go down to a, a homeless shelter right. and ask for support there or right. go to a kindergarten class and ask for support there. Right. So, you know, I have to have a, a knowledge of the people in my world that I can ask also. Very so, good. Did that help, Jamie, with that question on some levels? Yeah, it does, because I think <clears throat> this whole conversation on this program today is really, um, I think we're we're really talking to ourselves, as always, even on Sunday mornings or when we're doing radio <laughs> shows, we're, we're really talking to ourselves, and I always say to the people, you just happen to be listening or you happen to be sitting there, but so Carla, as, and, and so like right now, I'm not talking to Coach Carla, I'm talking to Carla Carla, yeah. everyday Carla, do you... Do you still find it uncomfortable or um, difficult to ask for help? Because, you know, it's the same thing. My friends tell me there's a difference. What they see is the person who's speaking on Sunday morning and the person who goes to lunch and plays and cuts up. I know that Reverend Jamie is mixed in with Jamie and Coach Carla and Reverend Carla is mixed in with Carla and the same Mm -hmm. as Denise. I don't mm-hmm. think we wear masks by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, what's fun to me is, like I said, when I stay at your house with you, Carla, mm-hmm. you have no qualm about walking out with not a stitch of makeup on, your hair messed up, and I love that about you because somebody else would say, oh, I would never let anybody see me like that. And that's the Carla I'm talking about. I mean, here you're yes. on television there in Kansas City. So does Carla whether it's the little girl Carla, the wife Carla, the mother Carla, grandmother, do you still find it challenging to sometimes say, I I could use some support or um, I could use some help? Definitely, definitely. You know, I'm the oldest of four children. I have three brothers. Um, uh, I took on the responsibility for everybody's happiness in my family. I was going to make sure everybody was happy. I was a very busy little girl. Um, I didn't have, you know, there were, that was not, I made up a story, Jamie and Denise, that Mm -hmm. I was only lovable when I was giving to other people. I wasn't lovable as Carla. Mm. Because it seemed like when I needed somebody to rub my back or somebody to say, they're there, it's going to be all right. I just got told that wasn't spiritual. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's that in you, Carla, that's stronger than, oh, okay, well, I, you know, I must have an extra dosage of it. <laughs> running around. Um, but But one day, in fact, it was at a conference, I was kvetching as and coughing up my my fur balls with with some minister buddies and and I just said, "You know there's no 
support around me. I have no support. And this friend, because she was a friend, said to me, wow, you don't have in your consciousness the idea of support. Wow. Jamie, that made all the difference in the world to me. It was like a light bulb went on. Oh, I'm not being blamed or shamed. That's just a truth. I didn't have the concept of support. So what does support look like? Support looks like in real daily life that you're right there with me and we're 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 strategizing what's next. So I love to be with people during transition times in their life because everything is really chaotic then, isn't it? I mean, we have no idea what's next. We're we're like that with the unity movement right now. Yes, we are. It's very fun for me because I love to swim in the chaos because I know creation's coming. But I'm also uncomfortable in the chaos. Mm. So there's that aspect of me that... that, um, I had to let you use the word practice just a couple of minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I I started a practice of having a mentor minister when I started into ministry and then when I got into coaching what I saw the value of 100% supporting another person in their giftedness was so much more valuable than colluding with their pain. Right. Yes. Um so I so Jamie to answer your question, I do have uh a coach. Do I talk myself out of calling her on a regular basis? You betcha. I'm a very <laughs> busy girl. I'm busy, busy, busy. You know, well, so that's why that's why I said earlier I have to go through this little gyration of accepting mm-hmm. the fact that I need help right now. Mhm. You know, yeah. because it's easy for me to because I've taught myself all of these little things, it's easy for me to talk myself out of it and reframe and keep going and go, "Oh, I can do this. I can do this myself." I <laughs> uh, I tell you, I can spiritually bypass anything. Yes. <laughs> but yes. it doesn't mean it's right and it no. doesn't mean I'm not making it harder. Right. Mm. Was Carla answer your question, Jamie? Yeah, I just wanted to be really clear with our listeners you know, and as even as you know, I try to remember it when I'm doing my messages is to always yeah. say, Please hear me. I have not mastered this but I am aware in ways I never was before. And so I want people listening to understand that we are just as um, just as real and still face issues as, as people who are listening into the show today, and that we support one another. We give each other support by doing what we're doing here. We're talking out our own stuff as a support to one another and a support to people we don't even know who are listening in, and that's what it's all about, is finding people who will encourage us to remind us this is you know, not necessarily the truth of the situation, but this is what it looks like and what must I shift and change in me to bring about transformation. Whether it's right. I believe that I require someone to do something for me. I said, you know, the other day in, in the church service here, I said, you know, this is not a daycare center. And some people looked at me. <laughs> this is not a hospital. 
I mean, we encourage you to stand tall and to be accountable and responsible. We give you the tools, but I'm not going to babysit you. Yeah. You know, and I could tell yeah. some people didn't like it because people think that's what the church is, is I'm supposed to hold your hand while you stay stuck. No, mm-hmm. no. And that that is, you know, then you're colluding with the issue. You know, if you've told a story four times, that's one time too many. Right. You know? right. You've gone boring. Uh, and I'm not saying not to get help, but but get a good therapist if you can't mm-hmm. get past an issue in your life because they're excellent at that. They know they have wonderful ways of doing that. If you want to to take action that is authentically you being you and living meaningfully, call a coach. You know, right. don't be afraid. Call a coach. Um because that's what we do. And and Denise and I really do it from a spiritual perspective, but it doesn't mean it has anything necessarily to do with theology. Would you agree with that? I would um, most Denise. definitely agree with that. You know, I I call myself a a spiritual midwife. Yeah. And what I tell people is that I'm assisting you in birthing a new reality in your world because that's yeah. what you've come to me for is that this that's going on right now is not exactly exactly the way you want it and we're going to tweak some things and we're going to birth something different. But just as with any birthing process, some of it could be painful. Some of it can get messy. <laughs> Amen. You know? But there's beauty on the other end, you know. So there, we just it, have to hang is. in there together. Yeah, um, uh, you know, it's the work we're we're all doing in this. Um, not just wanting to change things up, but but to go for the transformation, yes, a different ma'am. way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, to see that the impossible really can be possible. So so for me, here's here's how I stay centered in what what I do is is when I'm looking at the individual, when I'm when when they come to me and they say, you know, I've got blah 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 going on in my life I think to myself, well, I can agree with them. They've got blah, blah, blah going on in their life, but that's not going to bring them hope or inspire them or encourage them to go after their dream, right? Mm-hmm, right. So, so my shift inside of me is to know that the person sitting in front of me has goals and dreams and longs to be successful. Mm-hmm. So my perception then is away from that, um, oh, woe is, is, you know, what can I fix here? What can I clean up here? What can I, you know, it's not that. It's knowing that that person has goals and dreams and that they have the capacity to see their own answers. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest contribution in coaching, Um and don't you feel when you're really being coached, Jamie, that nobody's trying to fix you? Yeah, I really do think that the, you know, the coaching end of it is about um again, what I said, it's not they're not holding our hand, but they're they're giving us a hand up to stand up on our own two feet and to think differently to so that we think clearer and more um 
more positively about who we are and how we're showing up in the world. And so, because I, I, I've never, you know, I'm one of those people too. I say I don't. There's certain words I don't like. Sympathy. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think that's uh, Johnny Coleman used to say that. You know, people. She would bump into people as a child, and she would always say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And she said she realized when she got older, all she had been affirming her whole life was sorrow. Mm-hmm. And so I remind my people, quit saying you're sorry. Say I apologize. Do you know what I mean? And it's about relanguaging how we say what we say about what, well, what it is yeah. we desire. Because our body, trust me, is listening to the words that come out of our mouth. And so it's not to make you scared to death to say anything. It's about to really be clear about your intention. So if you feel like there's just something on the other, you know how you get this sensation that there's something around the corner, I don't know what it is, but I know it's there, Um, uh, but I can't seem to figure out whether to turn left or right, but I know it's around the corner. You know, that's what we're talking about with support. So somebody's got your back to say, yeah, there is something around the corner, and that something is wonderful, and that something is a wisdom within you that's guiding you to figure out whether to turn left or right. So so what are you seeing? You know, it's to take people back to the truth of who they are, but we must tell ourselves the fact of the matter. We cannot deny the fact when we act like um, a jerk that we're, you know, that was the appropriate action because, you know, the people around you um, uh, deserve to see that jerky part of you. No, it's a call to something greater. Most definitely. And, you know, you were talking earlier about courage, and I think that that's uh, just another moment of talking about that because there may be listeners out there that, you know, that courage is inside all of us. And it just takes that one time to have the courage to reach out and ask that begins to give you the courage to do it again and again. We would love to have people call into this show, wouldn't we? Yes, we would, most definitely. Because then we wouldn't feel so incestuous. (laughs) (laughs) Most definitely. And it just takes one, you know what I mean? It just takes one. And (laughs) the contribution you make to the rest of the people that listen to this show, I promise you, your life will change if you just pick up the phone and call in. The other thing that I've done, too, that... um, that I posted on Facebook is I have a text number that if you want a certain question, if you've got a question going on in your mind that you would like one of us to answer or all of us to answer, text us. You know, that, right. it doesn't take a lot of, of courage to use that. What do you use, your thumb? I use all my fingers. That's why it takes <laughs> so much time. <laughs> but, but, you know, let us know what's interesting to you. We know what's interesting to us, but what what would be really useful for you on this spiritual journey? Let us know. Jamie, how would they let us know? 
Well, we've got about seven minutes, so we're going to close the show in a few minutes. But if, if anyone wants to, they can go to our Facebook page of Spirituality Today with Jamie Sanders and Denise Jurgen. You can also send the text message to Coach Carla. She can post it on the page. Any questions that you have so that we can follow up, the show will be archived later tonight. For those of you who uh, may have missed it and you're just catching the tail end of it, you can get it later tonight and listen to the, the broadcast. So we do want to say this, though, really quickly, Carla, if you could, someone is listening, they're seeking support, they're seeking help, what is one of the first action steps they could take in finding it? It's to accept, you know, that that they need it and, and to, to, to be clear about what the help is. Do you need help with moving furniture up the stairs? Do you need help with a medical issue that you can't understand what's going on, um, what your doctor is telling you? Do you need help um, uh, with carpooling your kids because you've, you're all over the place this summer? You need help in, in a relationship. Somehow you and your husband are are stuck playing or your partner is stuck playing the same role over and over again and you're just bored to death with it find a trusted advisor and by trusted advisor somebody who can support you listen to me carefully this is really really important do not go to your family when you're trying to do things differently when you're trying to take risks trying to find that courage within you to live out a dream because they love you and they want you to stay in the box you're in let them <laughs> love <laughs> you let them love you let them you know whatever let them you know just allow them to say whatever they feel like they need to say to prove to you that they love but get outside help get somebody who is trained who is certified um who who has been uh, i i even like to say the word vetted you know uh, been through a training program where they're not going to get into your head and do damage (laughs) yes All right. Well, this has been an outstanding show, Carla. Thank you. We're going to have to have you back for the whole hour. I mean, it's 30 minutes with you is usually never enough. So thank you so much for being with Denise and I today. And we love you. And folks, like she said, you can text her. She posted it on Facebook. And you can also find us on Facebook under Spirituality Today with Jamie Sanders and Denise Jurgen. So, Carla, we love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Love you bunches. Back at you. Bye. Bye All right, folks. Again, we want to just say thank you for being a part of what we do here on this show. Share it with your friends. Like I said, go and look at the website under Facebook for Spirituality Today. We'd love to hear from you, and we thank you again for always supporting what Denise and I do in the world. And, Denise, any closing thoughts? You know, I have to say again what Carla said because it just hit me. There are always hands to hold when we are standing at the edge of our knowing. That's huge. I'm going to have to ponder that for about a week or so. Me too. I love it. So, folks, until next time, be good to yourself, be good to others, and we leave you now with the song, We Choose Peace, from Unity of Music City and Judy Blackwelder. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.